Welcome to Soaring to New Heights. This is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. You are listening to The Bench. This is the round eight recap of the Hawthorne AFLW game against the Richmond Tigers that was held at Kazali Stadium on Friday evening. We saw the Young Hawks taking on a battered Richmond team underneath the Friday night lights in what was probably one of our first primetime slots in our short AFLW career for the Hawthorne Hawks. The girls definitely took it up to the Richmond Tigers and were up to their neck in terms of the game. And at three-quarter time, it looked like we were going to come off with another amazing victory. We held a nine-point lead at three-quarter time. But unfortunately, a combination of the humidity, the heat, the travel factor, and our inexperience led to the Hawthorne team losing by 11 points. My name is Tim, and I'm joined by regular co-host Liam. How are you, Liam? I'm going well, Tim. The yeah, as you said, the crew just ran out of gas. I think ultimately last week, but or on Friday night, I should say. But um, nonetheless, plenty to take out of the game. Plenty to talk about. I'm here to do it with you. Nothing better. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, in terms of the game, it was the Richmond Tigers six goals five forty one, defeating the Hawthorne Hawks four goals six thirty. In terms of our goal scorers, we had Anya McDonough, we had Talia Fellows, Bridie Hipwell, and Greta Bodie, all scoring single goals. And it was also Greta Bodie's 50th game. And in terms of our disposal winners, Emily Bates and Jazz Fleming with 18 apiece. We had Aileen Gilroy, 15, and then we had Richardson and McDonough with 13 apiece. So here on the bench, we go through and we talk about the five main takeaways from the game. But before we start that, we do have some quick news in regards to the off-season, which is quickly approaching. Uh, Yes, now that it's mathematically impossible for us to make finals just by virtue of teams playing each other, this is pretty important. So first of all, as first broken by Sarah Black, now confirmed by the AFL, we can pre-list up the three draft-eligible players from our NGA zone, which is mostly the Eastern Rangers. Um, that that period in which we can do that occurs between 13 and 17 November, so during the final series. Um, Alyssa Pisano looks set to decline, according to Peter Williams from Rookie Me Central, however, and I'm very excited about this one. Laura Stone is apparently very likely to sign, so that's going to be a really handy addition if we can get her. Um, again, from Peter Williams, that is. Trade period runs from 7 to 14 December, with the draft on the 18th of December, so plenty of content will be around during that time. We'll be doing as much as we can physically do. Um, stay tuned for announcements about what we can do. Uh, I have now read that CBA. I showed Tim the tabbed up version before, 193 pages read over this weekend. So we'll have something about that soon in some way, shape or form, just to explain some of the core provisions for the AFLW. Yeah, definitely some exciting news on the trade and draft front and also with the CBA, which we'll be able to talk about a little, little later on. So, Liam, we're going to give you point number one as we start to dissect our round-out game against the Richmond Tigers. Uh, Yeah, and there's going to be a theme to my points tonight, which you'll probably be able to pick up, but you will by the time we get to my second one. Uh, I'm going to talk about Mackenzie Eadley. We know how talented she is. She's a tall defender. She intercepts. She rebounds, and her right boot is ridiculously powerful. Um, In Melbourne against the... Against Melbourne, she was probably our best player before she went off injured and was easily a best player against them in a practice match as well. So we know how good she is against as a tall defender. And 183-centimetre defenders with her ability don't come easy. Against the Tigers, though, we saw just how good she is. 
She really anchored our back five as a Roma, winning pretty much every defensive battle she in. She was in mostly pretty comfortably, despite the fact that we're against the likes of Katie Brennan, Caitlin Greiser, etc. She followed small opponents up the ground. Clearly, we wanted to get her in the game, and with good reason. Um, 253 metres gained from eight disposals, all kicks, 85 at 62% efficiency, eight intercepts, seven one-percenters, which was a game high, four tackles, three score involvements, two rebounds, two marks, and inside 50. Idley was among our best players. And if she doesn't get the Rising Star nomination this week, the pitchforks and torches at AFL House tweets seem to get a lot of interaction. So I'm a little bit worried that people might actually follow through with that. Please don't. Although metaphorically do. Um, <laughs> she defended, she drove us forward and her long and accurate right foot was just on was on fire. She even gave us some run as well, which is not, not something she's always been known for, but you know the running drive she gave us as well was quite impressive. She, again, she really should be the rising star nom, a rising star nom this week, because there's two, obviously. Probably the most complete game I've seen Mackenzie Eardley play. And because not only was she incredible defensively, she was absolutely lethal offensively as well. Yeah, I think Big Mac had a tremendous game for the brown and gold. As you spoke about, Liam being able to win pretty much every defensive battle she had as a very inexperienced key defender. And we know key defenders take time. It's, they don't, uh, it doesn't all just click overnight, but Big Mac this season is certainly starting to put the runs on the board and has had some incredibly impressive showings in recent weeks, whether it was a game against Melbourne or, as you've just mentioned, against the Tigers. And I think it, it shows that obviously the combinations are clicking. It shows that the system is working and it shows the development that we have because you think about last season, Tegan Cunningham or Jess Duffin were pretty much anchored in that back line. Yeah. And this season, neither one of them is, has featured one because Duff's off and uh, about to start playing cricket. And Tegan Cunningham has been playing in the scratch matches, which means that the likes of, of Mackenzie Eadley's have been given the task to, to stand up and lead from the front. And she's certainly doing that. Yeah. Tegan's also been injured as well. She missed a lot of the season with an injury, but um, yeah, Mac's been, terrific this season and to think she doesn't even turn 20 until January next year. Yeah. It's at least another 10 years in the brown and gold. You can see there, Liam. And as you said, hopefully Mac will get a well-deserved rising star nomination when it's announced uh, on Monday evening. And obviously with, uh, with Ali Moffat from the Swans being out for the last three games of the season, it means that for the likes of your jazz Flemings and, Hopefully your Mackenzie Eadleys and your Carols, your Charlotte Baskerans, it's a very good chance that they might be able to uh, to get a well-deserved rising star win in terms of taking out that award. Yeah, I think Goldsworthy might be now running away a bit with more for missing three games, but let's see. Point number two, Liam, and I want to talk about consistency. So if we go back and have a look at the game against the Sydney Swans, we know that the team were jumped in the first quarter. We then take on a Richmond team, and as we said, they were a bit banged up. They had some players coming back from injury, but certainly still missing quite a few regulars from their starting team. And on Friday night, I don't know if it's a combination of the inexperience we had in the team or if it was the humidity or if it was the travel factor or a combination of all of them, which more than likely it will be. We, we played in patches. We had some absolutely stunning patches of football. We had two goals of the year contenders where it all seemed to click. You know, we had Bridie Hipwell's goal and then also uh, Big Boy's goal with Talia Fellow's kick. Both of those were these sensational patches of football. And you looked at it and you went, 
wow, like how good does this look? This looks absolutely amazing. But then, unfortunately, we, we just had some patches where we blazed away, uh, mostly in that last quarter when the, the Tigers put the press on and, and there was that 20-point turnaround. And there was a few times where some of our experienced players from the back line got the ball and instead of looking and lowering their eyes and trying to find a free player, they, they tried to take territory. But they were kicking it to three or four on ones. And uh, Richmond were able to take some some really crucial marks, about 70 or 80 metres out from our goal. And then we're able just to take some time off the clock. And it just comes back to that, patches. We know that, unfortunately, after the loss on Friday evening, our, our finals chances are, are done and dusted for the season. But I just think over the next couple of years, we'll start to see those patches evaporate. And we'll see more of that consistency from the side. And when we see those glimpses, like those two impressive goals that we had from from Brighty Hipwell and also Talia Fellows, it shows us we're on the right track and it shows we're on the right path and that when it clicks, it's going to be absolutely sensational. But I think it's just one of those things where some of us at the moment, Liam, might be a bit impatient. And I guess it's about having that patience and being able to understand that we'll still play in patches for a little bit because we're still building that base. We're still building that consistency. We're still building those combinations. But when it comes off and it all clicks like it did in those two sensational goals on Friday night, it's scintillating football and it's wonderful to watch. 100%. And it, you're right, it's not going to come quickly, I don't think. Like, it's going to need probably at least probably at least two more full good pre-seasons, to be honest, just because the fact everyone else is also going to have a pre-season in that time as well. Like, it's, you know, you're not calling players unfit. You know, they've had one full pre-season, half our squad. But you could tell, I think, and especially late in that game, that it really was just a matter of miles in those legs over time over and consistency, you know, playing together in terms of decision-making, fatigue, like, and making decisions under fatigue as well. It's something you really work on. You can only work on in games or in pre-season especially. So you just need that. You just need This crew just needs a bit more time. And they've got it. Like the team, our average age as a club is actually above league average. However... That's distorted by two 35-year-olds who aren't currently playing. So no knock on those two, but they're both great players and great people, but they're not currently in the 21s. The 21 is actually very young. But yeah, this crew is going to be special. They just need a couple more years just to weed out so those patches become consistent, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads us perfectly, Liam, a bit of a segue there to point number three, and this is the fan-voted point from off of our socials. Uh, yes, uh, you inundated with us with this one, guys, so we felt we probably don't really have a choice with this week. Normally, you know, normally there's a bit of deliberation. Normally, you know, I'm flicking up two or three that people have come through with, and, you know, hey, Tim, what are you doing so we know which of these are best to go with, and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. However, we had no less than six people um, come us come at us with this point in some way, shape, or form about progression and development. So for Sean, Steve, Braden, Anthony, Diamond, and Stephen, who is not Steve, they are different people. I checked that. Um, progression and development in some form, those six all came through it. Yeah, and I'm going to take one point from Diamond, who actually my dad. Um, getting sick of the honourable losses, and even though it's part of the journey, what it's showing us is that our expectations are rising, and they're rising in proportion with performance. So we're seeing a lot of progression and development. You know, Stephen reckons we'll be winning these games next year. 
touch and go with fitness issues to the opposition, but I, I think we're definitely heading that way. And I'll flick over to you in a second for a bit more unpacking on progression and development, especially with your teaching background. I really like the way you unpack this kind of stuff. But, you know, last year we played this team, and yes, Richmond have injuries this year, but we lost by 35 points and scored one goal. You know, that after quarter time, Richmond were completely dominant. We didn't really look like posing a threat at any point. I think I was at that game. I think you had, you were, were you there? That one? I don't think you were in the end, but um, yeah, just the progression against the opponent and in general is incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the big things, or I guess a, a big takeaway, I guess, in that progression and development, and it's something that I've heard from uh, from teachers alike in, in my whole career as a teacher is that, unfortunately, that development and progression isn't linear. We can't always sit there and say, it's going to be this perfect trajectory to success because we know we're going to have times where we'll plateau. We'll have some times where we might even go back a couple of steps, but it's all about, that progression and that development. And as you said, last year when we came up against the Tigers, we lost by 35. On that day, our uh, our Mayo Marvel, Aileen Gilroy, kicked our only goal, played a sensational game where literally it felt like she was playing every single position on the ground except for Ruck. And on Friday night, that progression and development we saw from the team, we were in front three-quarter time. It looked like it was ours to, to take away. And unfortunately, when the Tigers put their foot down, we just weren't able to, to go with them. But even in terms of that progression and development, Liam, go back 18 months ago when our very first trial match at the MCG was against the Richmond team. And I believe we lost 50-odd points to one. I think we kicked a point that day. And it was played on the, the wide expanses of uh, of the MCG as a warm-up to the uh, to the AFL game, AFL game, so as a as a curtain raiser, and that day you went, oh, we we look a long way off the mark. You watch Friday night's game and you go, actually, the development's been great. Like we're seeing that development. Sophie Locke spoke about it last week, that the players can see this development, which is wonderful. And I think it's just it's just a matter of time, as you said. And I think we just have to know that it might not always be linear. There might be some stages where we might plateau. And we might not show signs for a couple of weeks. Doesn't mean that the wheels have fallen off. It doesn't mean that the horse has bolted. It just means with a young, inexperienced team, and we know that the core nucleus of this team is quite young and inexperienced. They're going to have those moments where inconsistency is there. As I was saying in my point before, in terms of the patches and the yeah. progress and development, we'll eventually see it where we're just seeing sensational stuff week in and week out. And, Yes, it sucks seeing those honourable losses. And yes, it's part of the journey. But I prefer to see the honourable losses than to see the 50-point drubbings. Because at least with the honourable losses, you go, we're on the right track. The 50-point drubbings, you sit there and go, yeah, I I don't know if I see it. Yeah, there's not a lot. We There's not a lot. And it depends on the opponent as well. I just want to draw on one thing. You you mentioned how last year was a bit of a one-woman show with Aileen Gilroy against the Tigers. This year, I think I had a long... My initial long list for my votes was 15 people. <laughs> so it was... And then I think I got it down to eight. And I think I sent you a message, like, doing votes this week could be classed as a torture device. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. And that's, once again, that shows that development of the team because last year when you and I would sit down to do the votes, you'd have five. And that was it. 
you wouldn't be looking at a sixth or a seventh. I mean, there was a couple of games in the Port Adelaide game last year. You and I both struggled to uh, to come up with the players. But yeah, from watching this week, you go, we're on the right track. Like we really, really are. So just be patient, Hawks fans. That's what we have to do. Which now leads us lame to point number four, your second point. Yeah, speaking of patience, this player was patient with getting onto an AFLW list, having been overlooked for three drafts. Jenna Richardson. Um, she's one of our most reliable and consistent players. She turns up every week in defense, stops her opponent, provided that opponent isn't half a foot taller than her on your tie. <laughs> um, and she just reliably turns up every week, executes her role. She defends, she intercepts, she handballs, and she occasionally rebounds. That's her job. Simple list, does it every week, grabs a lunch pail, goes there, does it what does what she has to do, goes home. That that's what Jenna Richardson is. She is a reliable defender. And she's very good at it. She I'd say she's probably the player who's positioning the club best and fairest and ours at the end of the year, probably the most different. I think she's the one who gets punished by our voting system the most. But she's just incredible. And against the team she supported growing up, against the Tigers. She played on a combination of really good players, Laura McClellan, Courtney Jones, and Katie Brennan. Katie Brennan really played football, especially. And she was superb. You know, 251 metres gained, which is a comfortable career high for her. So she's added that rebounding to her game this week and that taking of territory, you know, getting the ball on her foot a bit more. 13 disposals at 85%, seven intercepts, five rebounds, four marks, of which one was contested. Four tackles, four one percenters. Only Mac Eadley and Tamara Smith had more from us. And it was just a terrific display from Jenna Richardson. Um, terrific, not again, not only defensively, but also getting really driving us out of defense, getting that rebound game going. And to be completely honest, we probably should have talked about her a bit more this season on the bench. But you know, as per our socials, Andrew and Sean, you're very, you'll be very happy we're bringing her up now. She deserves a mention. She's been great for us all season. This was probably her best game for the season with a combination of defensive and offensive work. But it was a super play from performance from our Donvale Destroyer, as you know, as you've dubbed her. Yeah, I think Richo did an absolutely tremendous job on Friday night, as you said. Some of those, uh, some of those forwards that Richmond had, you know, the likes of your Katie Brennan's and your Laura McClellan's, and she comfortably held them uh, in terms of their input on the game. And I just love the way that Richo goes about it. She's she's not she's not fussed. She's not one of those players that you look at and. You know, she's not a, a flashy player in terms of what she does. You know, when she's got the ball offensively, she uses it well. She doesn't take off. She doesn't, you know, bite off more than she can chew. And the part that I love is that as a defender, she takes so much pride in making sure she doesn't get beaten. And that's a huge thing because we know that you can have those defenders that want to be attackers and they're great. They're great to watch. But when your job is to defend... Richo knows and she hates losing. And I think that's something I absolutely love because that's something that becomes instilled in the rest of the yeah. back line because they look at it and go, well, she doesn't like losing. Yeah. They don't like losing. She doesn't. My goodness. I don't want to lose either. And it yeah. then becomes this healthy competition again, you know, between yeah. the, uh, the back line in making sure that they do a great job. So, as you said, Richo probably will get more plaudits from the coaches than she does in terms of uh, our votes because of the way that our voting system occurs. But I've loved the uh, the season that we've had from Richo today. And we have to remember last season for Richo, only came in in round five. You know, missed the first four games, round six, sorry, came in 
missed the uh, the first five games it was through injury. And you think, well, what are we now? Game 15, 13? That game 13 in an AFLW career? So yeah. Yeah, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit for Richo. And she's only going to get better as the backline system, that defensive system continues to evolve and develop. Especially as the tall pillars around her develop and get stronger and get, you know, more spending time on, on your tie. So she's not. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got to remember, you know, Benny Cavs come in as the, uh, the backline coach. So we've had two yeah. backline coaches in two seasons. So even in terms of things like consistency and things like that, you know, there's uh, a lot of positives to take from that. Point number five, Liam, my last point, and uh, it's the hard road. I was listening earlier to the Hilltop Hoods, of all things, Liam, and uh, the song The Hard Road came on, and I thought, this actually sums up quite nicely the uh, the Hawthorne team. They were back on the road two weeks in a row. They went to Sydney against the Swans in a game that most people thought uh, was going to be tricky, was going to be tough, played in some quite warm conditions considering what we've experienced here in Melbourne uh, throughout this AFLW season to date so far. And in their first ever victory away from home, did a tremendous job. They were jumped, took three quarters, but you know, ground their way back into it to eventually take out the win, which was wonderful. Then they're back on the road this week in a clash that was going to be a, a 50-50 encounter. Played in some... Quite, you know, tricky conditions. We're talking humidity of Cairns, 7, uh, 7.45 hour time, so 6.45 Cairns time, where you know the ball's starting to get slippery. The conditions are obviously warm, and I know both sides, and you'll tell me this every week in and week out, it's the same conditions for both sides, and I get that. But when you're a young team and you're on the road, there's, everything's different. And I, I remember... Yeah. Sam Mitchell saying this when I attended one of the press conferences earlier this uh, this year. And it's about when you're a young team, everything's different. Do I take my own pillow for the trip? How do I get that routine happening? We know that some of the team went to Cairns on Wednesday and because of work uh, commitments, some of the team didn't get there till Thursday, which then means not everyone's on the same page. And obviously that's just the way that the AFLW system works at the current time because we know that the players have to supplement their career through working full-time while trying to uh, to play professional sport, which makes it really tricky. And I just thought, imagine what the team's going to be able to do in a couple of years' time when they're used to these travels, when they're used to that hard road. I mean, for a lot of the players, they, they played in the VFLW, which was wonderful. The furthest game they travelled to was Geelong or to Casey Fields. Now yeah, well, that's it. Our home game in Wontaggy. But now we're expecting them, Liam, to get on a plane, go to Sydney, come back to Melbourne four days later, get on a plane up to Cairns, and to be able to adapt to conditions which, you know, vary. We went to Perth a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're talking a five-hour five flight. So the hard road, I think it's just one of those things that while the team is in their infancy, these are away games. These road trips are really, really tricky. And to know that we were in the game up until three-quarter time and, and doing a tremendous job, once again, you know, it puts a smile on, on an optimist's face. You know, it could even melt a pessimist's heart. So it's something, for us, just, <laughs> something for us to think about. But, yeah, my, my last takeaway there, Liam, was the hard road and that these away games are going to be tricky for a while. But when we're seeing these glimpses and we're seeing these moments, 
and, and you know we're writing games it holds us in great stead for the future yeah the progression and development is what we wanted to see this year and we're seeing that absolutely mind you liam i did say we'd make the eight so i probably owe you dinner so we'll uh, we'll have to see how that one works out we now get to quick thoughts which is your thoughts off of our socials yeah we've got a lot to get through here so it will be quick um Sean, we're ruining that lack of scoreboard pressure early in the second quarter. Yes, we are. He also said there were some big moments from our youngsters like Everest and Hipwell, which there certainly were. That Those goals have been stuck on my computer for a while. Absolutely. Braden said the young brigade were incredible and they have been incredible all season. While Steve said the forwards needs to use their speed more and we also need to start looking to handball to advantage more. So making sure that when we handball, it's to a player who is on the run in a better position. Yeah, I think conditions played a role in that. It was hot, it was muggy, it was hard to move, and the ball was ball was like behaving like a cake of soap for both teams for a fair whack of the night. Braden, the defence stood tall all game. Yes, it did. And then very relatedly, um, their experience from Anthony was just a bit too much in the end, and Braden pointed out that we ran out of legs. Yep. Terrific team effort in trying conditions from Jan, and that's something I reckon we can say for pretty much every game we've seen so far this season from the AFLW team. While from G... They mentioned that Gilroy is an expletive beast, which we know right. that Aileen Gilroy is absolutely coming back to her uh, her best and her peak. Yeah, last two weeks from Gilly have been exceptional. Uh, Lee pointed out that we had some silly, silly mistakes and it's not long till we win these with Dominic calling a learn experience. Yep, can't really say much beyond that's very accurate. Absolutely. Smith, Edley and Richo, all excellent, according to Simon. While Susan said, fantastic effort and every single Hawthorne supporter should be proud of the team. Yep. And then, Sean, unfortunately, we're going to run out of time to talk about these properly. These could be a whole podcast on their own. Those two coast-to-coast goals are the best goals we've had since inception. And even Aileen Gilroy's goal against the Swans, I think, yields to them. Yeah, we've had some terrific goals in our very short time as an AFLW team. Now, this brings us to the end of the episode of The Bench. But... Before you head off, if you haven't liked us on our socials, please jump onto Twitter and Instagram and like us at HFC Saw or on Facebook at Soaring to New Heights. Yeah, our next game is our last home game for the year. It's at Frankston. We'll be wearing that pride jumper, which if you're going to do a pride jumper, that jumper, very, very impressive Guernsey. Um, we'll play Yatapulti, which uh, we'll, be, we'll rebrand back to the, the name we currently generally know them as, which is Port Adelaide. That, that will be at Frankston. Sunday, 29 October, 5 p.m., 5.05 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. All the usual coverage. We'll have the bench after the game. I'll be at the game. So if you see me, come say hi. I'll be on the broadcast side wing, the non-grandstand side wing, and I'm pretty tall. Um, only two games left, but don't worry. All the Hawthorne AFLW content is going to come from here. As we've talked about throughout the night, there's more coming. So much you won't know what to do with because Soaring to New Heights is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brand and gold. We've been banding around the off-season ideas already. There's probably another 15 on a piece of paper I've got written down that I need to refine before sending to Tim. In terms of Talking Hawks, there's plenty of stuff coming there about the trade and draft for the men's comp. We'll hopefully have some W stuff up there as well. And Timmy, you got anything else? Uh, hopefully later on this week, Liam, we'll have uh, an interview with someone from the club, be it a player or one of the coaches that's something just to keep an ear out for uh yep now this brings us to the end of this episode of the bench and until next time go the hawks